Ladies and gentlemen, the year is 2018 and Leonardo DiCaprio is looking for something to put his capacious wallet behind. It turns out that's another version of the Robin Hood story called Robin Hood with Taron Edgerton and Jamie Foxx and Tim Minchin. And this is Robin On, the Raven On podcast subsection analytical recap thingy, which has been, until this point, joyfully, gleefully, and one might even say happily, looking at the film adventures of Robin Hood over the past 90 years. And now we come to Robin Hood with Tim Minchin. I'm Natalie Bohensky, and I'm the co-host of this podcast. And with me, as always, is a man who I wish I could think of something creative to say. He's a man who really likes to wear modern dress in medieval times. It's Stuart Late. Hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. Yes, I mean, this is certainly a movie with Tim Mitchin in it. I mean, look, you can't deny it that. Now, the reason I might sound a little lacklustre is normally when Stu and I get onto podcasts, we spend a good few minutes at the start having a chit-chat, a chinwag, catching up, just discussing the logistics, what we might say. You know, we don't pre-plan anything, obviously, but we we just warm up. And tonight I got on and I said, Stu, I need to get on mic as quickly as possible because... She, she, she practically begged me. She was like, well, we yeah. need to get on mic immediately. We have to do our one-minute challenge and then got, get on mic. And that's what so- we've done. And the reason is, Stu, is that I believe that this film has caused me <laughs> to have an attack of vertigo. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, the, reason, the, the reason why I didn't want to tell you that before we were on mic is because I knew you would be the kind person that you are and go, do you want to delay this? And I was like, no, no, I need to embrace this. I need to tell the public right. to be very careful watching this film because as I sat there watching it, I started feeling my head going more and more woozy. And what typically happens is when I get these sort of bouts of vertigo or labyrinthitis, as it's previously been diagnosed, but it's the benign something, something. It's like the benign form of vertigo, which, you know, is not so freaking benign when you can't actually move because the world is spinning. But sure, call it benign. That's um, right. Anyway, and every time I get one of these attacks, which happen every couple of years, you know, varying in frequency, I like I kind of forget what it is in the intervening. So I was sitting there watching this film going, I don't feel so good. <laughs> look, look, I don't necessarily know that that was down to the vertigo. Yeah, well, this is the thing, Stu, but I've stopped the film now and I've still got a bit of this woozy <laughs> feeling. So what I'm saying to you is that maybe I was ripe for an attack, but it's definitely been confirmed by watching this film because honestly, yes. some, of the, some of the unnecessary angles and jerky camera movement and the huge gaping holes of plot and characterization um, <laughs> that have sort of dangled me into a off a precipice into a chasm an abyss one might even say this <laughs> yes. this is not a good movie Stuart. this is a absolute dog shit movie uh, natalie i i really have to we have to get that out of the way up front this is a terrible movie this might be the worst movie we've watched this is um bad it's real bad it's real bad <laughs> And it flopped at the box office. Apparently it cost about $100 million to make. I mean, sure, uh, that was probably wages for all the actors because I feel like I don't really see it on screen. I, mean, mm. I guess maybe there's some relatively good special effects, but who knows? Like 
It all looked to be matte painting and green screen. So who the hell knows? I mean, there, there was sets. There was a lot of practical sets in this one. Yeah, so I mean, was, like you know, you know what? it looked like they were filming on Game of Thrones sets, like King's Landing sets. Maybe that that might explain why everyone, why all the peasants in Nottingham live in a mine, like they're all in a Miyazaki film. <laughs> it's bananas. Like it just absolutely bananas. They're, they're not like, part of Nottingham. They're not part of Nottingham. They're that's what I mean. Like, like so weirdly, like Nottingham is like like a castle and then there's like a mine like like some sort of mine that that exists and it never really says what they're mining are they mining yeah. gold? are they mining gold are they mining silver are they mining tin <laughs> are they mining you know compliments um uh, they <laughs> fail on that front this movie has left me physically and emotionally and shell shocked and I guess in some ways it's a it's a bad way to finish our Robin on uh, you know podcast. <laughs> it's it's an interesting note to finish our to finish our series on. Yes, it does give us a lot to talk about. And and number one, I think, is if you come to me and try to tell me that Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, is a terrible <laughs> film, then I'm going to punch you in the face. I mean, I think yeah, I've said yeah. similar things before, but I am I'm going to punch you in the face, and I'm not going to feel. I'm not going to feel bad about it, Stu. I'm, I'm not going to feel like a bad person. Nor should you. Nor should you, because Prince of Thieves is a masterpiece compared to this film. Prince of Thieves is, a, is Citizen Kane compared to this piece of excrement. Like, I know you're being slightly sarcastic. It already was Citizen Kane. Well, I mean, yes. Um, this is just Citizen Kane with Oscar um, Oscar Wilde. <laughs> yes, it's Citizen Kane with Oscar Wilde giving the turd an extra bit of a polish. Like, that's it's Oscar Wilde's script editing Citizen Kane. Is hmm. Robert the Prince of Thieves sure. compared to this film? <laughs> this film is is batshit crazy. It's mystifying. I I look maybe it's. The but movie. it is fascinating. I, I actually I I found it fascinating though, and I think that we've got a lot to talk about because yeah, it's a train wreck. it's a train wreck. But it, it, like they can be quite interesting to pick apart because I yeah. feel like there's the seed of like a genuinely amazing like completely bonkers modern take on Robin Hood in this hidden in this movie but this movie doesn't go far enough it, it weirdly like hedges its bets like well, we, we can get into it but it's it's what very it's very strange well, I'm sure we'll get to this in the minute challenge but they basically went look let's just get Mendo in yes yeah <laughs> he can do his thing and we'll be fine that will paper over all of the cracks yes He'll do his bad guy thing. We'll get Mendo so he's doing his in. Bad guy. He's, he's doing bad guy Mendo in this one. He can, he can bring the same outfit he wore in that Star Wars movie. Yes, he basically is. <laughs> and, and we'll get him to stand in a lot of downlighting, just some really sophisticated downlighting for 12th century Nottingham. Yes. And, look, let's get to our minute challenge because Absolutely. We've, we've got a lot to talk about. And, Stu, I think you should begin. Uh, the first item on my list is this is a movie that exists. Um <laughs> You wouldn't think it. Um, actually, I have to. I have to cop to this. I, I teased this one on social media uh, last week when we when we uploaded the, the Russell Crowe Robin Hood movie, and I said that this was a Guy Ritchie film because I remembered that like Guy Ritchie had made like a a modern sort of King you know thing, but he made the King Arthur movie. Yeah. Right. This is made by a guy called Otto Bathurst, whose other credits are mostly television. He has done... I read that he was the guy who directed the first ever episode of Black Mirror in which the UK Prime yes. Minister fucks he's, he's the He's the pig fucker. And can I just say, yeah. this is staying very true to form. Sure. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> he totally fucks a pig mm -hmm. in this movie. 
This movie I think this is, is his only, this is his only like film. He's done so much. He's done his dark materials. Like, I'm sorry, um, Stu. We just blinders? get back to it. We need to talk about the fucked pig that is this. <laughs> <laughs> like, as a metaphor, I don't advocate for, and I, like everyone, I found the Black Mirror episode slightly distasteful, but, you know, that's art, that's creativity, that's the conflict at the heart of Black Mirror. The image of a pig being fucked <laughs> is one that will stay with me now when I think of this film. And I don't advocate for animal cruelty in any way. Uh, I really don't. Or indeed, any, even if you think that you were fucking a pig gently and sensitively, I don't advocate for that. Clearly, I'm trying to be funny here. I'm not, I realise I'm, I'm possibly digging myself into a... I feel like you're providing uh, disclaimers for things that do yeah. not need them. Disclaimer. It's fine. We all get it. We can take it as read. The point is, guys, fucked pig. This, this movie is a fucked pig. This movie is um, a fucked pig. Yeah. We've we've gone full blue. This this is this movie has broken us. I'm sorry. I've got vertigo. My head is a little bit spinning. I'm trying to comprehend what the hell I just watched, and then I read that this guy did the pig fucking episode of Black Mirror, and I went, "Well, yes. that's clearly his specialty." Yeah, his absolutely. <laughs> I will cop to uh, having mis misidentified this train wreck for the <laughs> other medieval slash modern train wreck. That was the Guy Ritchie King Arthur movie, which which tries to do a similar thing to what this movie is doing, which is make it sort of contemporary while still being set in medieval times. But it's um, not. It's not even set in medieval times, Stu. They even brought in Tim Minchin. I was reading something quickly because I was trying to Google it and quickly watching it. That he he wasn't supposed to be the narrator. He was brought in after to kind of go, oh, we need like a narrator. So yeah. let's get the Friar Tuck guy in. And he says, well, way back in... I don't remember the year, but it's not important. Yeah, like they, they're, they're like, being very, very like cagey about where it's set. The narration starts with, oh, what the fuck, none of it matters. Pretty much. And, and, and that's a bold way to start your film. Yeah, they never mention which king it is. They talk about the Crusades, but they never they try to be like... Oh. I mean, look, you know, it's really interesting because stuff like that doesn't necessarily matter as long as you get the basics right. And I feel like this film, like we, we, we talked last time about how the Russell Crowe Robin Hood movie isn't actually a Robin Hood movie. It's like a Magna Carta movie. Yes. Um, this is definitely a Robin Hood movie. Like, like if, if you have to split hairs, this is definitely a movie about a character that is recognizably Robin Hood. It's just an absolute fucked pig of a movie. <laughs> that's it. They're like that. That's it's just terrible. It's a bad movie. It's it's awful. The the next item on my list was uh, I was deeply deeply uncomfortable with the Crusades as like a modern Middle East. Oh, yeah. uh, Iraq War parallel. Um, like, I think the movie it? thought it was being clever. Was it, uh, it just Dark, made me uncomfortable. Was it Zero Dark Thirty or American Sniper or the no? Yeah, no. yeah. There was, there was all sorts of movies out around no, then, and but but like like they're wearing armor that looks like body armor yeah. and and stuff like that. It just it just sucks. I I hate it. I hated it. I think the movie thought it was very clever, and I'm like, no, that that sucks. And then there's an interesting thing there because there is parallels. Like, there's always been wars in the Middle East, like, and and a lot of them have been perpetrated by Western forces, you know. Mm. But you know, this movie kind of could have been about that, or it could have like done that, but it's basically using it as like a cool art, right? Like a Iraq War movie, and it's like, no, don't do that. That sucks. Stop that <laughs> immediately. Yeah. Especially when all of the, the local, like, forces are portrayed as, like, magical, like, windwalkers. It's insane. This is the problem, and I'm going to get on my high horse. <laughs> I get that with a film like this, and diversity is important, right? I get it. I get that you want to have... <laughs> yeah, this, no, no, no. We're, we're, we're teetering on the edge of a precipice I here, Nat. 
I've got vertigo. Go with me. Sure, I, yes. I apologise in advance if I'm going to seem like I'm being politically incorrect. This is what I'm trying to get at is that, <laughs> oh, oh, God. God. Don't, Stu, I, Stu is judging me before I can even try and get what I'm saying. So you want to you wanna go, no, 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 look, here's Nottingham, right? Mm, here's sure. England. One assumes that they mean England. They've got St. George crosses flying. We're a multiracial society. Look, there's people of all creeds and colours here. Then on the English side, one of the soldiers, they've got a couple of black soldiers, you know, dark skin, you know, mm, whether yeah. they're African-American actors or Indo-Caribbean actors from Britain. I don't know. But they've got dark skin and they're beating up the Muslims who are all dark skin, sure. right? So then you go, okay, this is a multicultural, but but Muslim society isn't. There are no white guys or right, Chinese sure, yeah, exactly on the yeah. Muslim side. But no, no, look, we have to have diversity. So the Muslims are all Muslim. They're all dark skinned, you know, Arabians, because we don't want to be politically incorrect and put white people into that because that wouldn't be. They're not diverse. But we have to be diverse on the white people country and show that they're. You know, there are Chinese people and black people and all sorts of people <laughs> existing in Nottingham. So it's like again, I, we're, we're at a we're at a point where I, I'm like, this is no, where Nat this, draws the line. But this, no, no, no. But this is the yeah. Where where I draw the line? Sure. But it's like, <laughs> I, you know, I get that it's please please understand. I know it's a fantasy movie. I know it's a stupid movie. It doesn't matter. And diversity is important. And I get that. But then they're trying to have this thing about you know your savages. You're savages in the East. So now you're saying that all Muslims are savages. <laughs> so dark-skinned people who are Muslim are savages, but dark-skinned people who are Christian are not. You know what I mean? It, 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 yeah, it, it's, the, it's, the symptom of this, it's a symptom of this movie being extremely muddled in what it is actually yeah, trying like, to oh, do. Oh, no, we're yeah. showing that we're like diversity and it's like... Like weirdly they're making it worse. But weirdly they're making it worse. This is my point. And then you're trying to... And so, John, we'll get to freaking Jamie Foxx's. But, yeah, so they're all, so, oh, no, no, no. So the Muslims, they're not diverse, but also they're all magical. They're all super excellent trained. Yeah, they're, they're, except, except when they get captured, at which point they're all just like regular people. Like it's just. Yeah, yes, and then one of them is begging for his father to help save him or whatever, and then he gets executed, and that's tragic. But then Jamie Foxx is able to just walk around, even though he's Arabic, he's able to walk around because they've got black people in Nottingham he can walk around and it's not a thing. I actually thought I actually thought to myself that's quite clever and then I thought no it's not because they wouldn't have thought of that. That yes. that's just an accident. That's an, that's an accident. accident. That's right. Yeah. That's my point. They've just got him walking around and the the point of having Azim in Robin Hood Prince of Thieves is people re react to him. They they're, they're sure. scared. Yeah. They were like oh, they were like oh he's he's a dark skin more like he's yeah. yeah. And and look and I get it's not historical blah 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 but it gets in my craw that it becomes like, oh, no, quickly for diversity. We need to show that anyone who's not white, we have to, like, their culture is perfect and fine and they're super warriors and they're super, you know, and we call them savage, but we're the savages. And then, no, well, then show all the white guys being white guys. Doing what white guys do. Am I, am I making my point? It's like, no, no, no. Look, we're all diverse, but we're still being freaking terrible. I, I feel like I'm going to pull you out of this tailspin. I'm just going to say, like, we, we, we're definitely, I definitely understand what you're saying in the sense that the, the film doesn't have a clear idea about the point it's trying to make. And so it yes. makes several conflicting and some borderline racist points. Yes. It is the point. Yes. It's like, okay, anyone who's not white, their culture has to be, ooh, mystical and um, we need to respect it and promise. And it's like, yeah, well, 
in the Crusades, you know, I'm not, God, I'm not trying to Donald Trump both sides this, but <laughs> yes, white people went in there and did bad massacre shit. But like also it had like Arabic people when they were spreading Islam, spread through the North of Africa, forced people to turn to Islam or get murdered like Christian like- people. This is what religion is. Why is one, because oh, we're white, so we, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm getting. I'm getting very close to being cancelled. But it just. I feel like. I feel like you're. You're like. I understand the general point you're making, which which yeah. is that the, the film is is extremely muddled on on what exactly it's trying to say here, yeah. and that and, that, and that's bad. Ooh, we're diverse. Ooh, I don't fucking care. Sorry. <laughs> I don't think that. I mean, like, if I can, if I can push back a little bit on that, I, I don't think the diversity is the problem. I think it's the portrayal of the of the Muslim side yes. of things. Yes. As like weird magical windwalkers yes like, like that that is weird and it, and, it, and it, it plays into a very racist trope of like western forces coming in and being you know surprised and and, and yeah. overwhelmed by and this is the, the mystical the mystical uh forces and things like, like that azim azim has a looking glass in robin hood prince of thieves which i'll keep going back to a source repeat he has a telescope like glass, magnifying glass, and he has sure, a gun sure, sure. Because, like, like because a lot Arab of Islamic Arab countries were very advanced at that time, more advanced, yeah. and that's Absolutely. the point. Yes, exactly. Okay. And so they're able to get that point across without then having to go. Oh, we need to show that we're all a really diverse and tolerant society. Yeah. Again, I don't think the diversity on the on the casting side is the issue. Right. I think it's it's the it's the way they've chosen to like stack it all and just yeah. just diving into that milieu in general. Is just fraught. Like, like, why are you bringing up the Iraq War, guys? Like, what the yeah. hell are you doing? Or if you're gonna do that, lean into it. Like, really make it a thing. And to, to be fair, they kind of do because the next item on my list is Robin as a young war vet, right? Yeah. Like, so someone who was drafted into a foreign war and who returns as a war veteran, but still a young man, like, like still, but, yeah. but someone who's like seen action. And they kind of, they kind of nod at the idea that he might have some PTSD. Um, they definitely do. They definitely do. But again, it's it's not, it never comes to anything. He doesn't have to overcome it. No. It, it's just sort of there. It's, another, it's just so it's another. It's another sort of nod like, oh, that, that's what happens in like war movies, right? Like the guy has like PTSD. It's like, what, yeah. what are you talking about? What are you doing? Dangle Why is he doing this? Either make it a thing, like make it thematic or don't do it. Don't yeah. do it. Because it like, you again, you're, you're just, just stomping all over, you know, some quite fraught subject matter. <laughs> That, that yeah. really deserves much better than this film. Yes. The next item on my list was just uh, in capital letters, Mendo. Mendo. Um, I had we, always love, we always love when Mendo ha- uh, shows also, up. I also had Mendo in capital letters with yes. extra O's. It was Mendo. Very nice. Mendo, of course, had already been in Rogue One at this point. That, was, that came out in 2016. So he was known, but he's basically doing that again. He's doing Krennic again. <laughs> um, I haven't seen Rogue One. Oh, it's it's pretty good. You should watch right. it. It's it's I very good. You should you should watch what you should watch is Andor, um, which is fantastic. Oh, okay. Um, if I can if I can throw that out there, I'm I'm the last person in the world to mention this, but um, Disney Plus series Andor, which is like a prequel to Rogue One, is genuinely fantastic. I even saw I think Seth Meyers as we record this, like his most recent you know bit on YouTube that I watched, and mm. he interrupted his monologue at one point to go. By the way, Andor rocks, everyone. Andor rocks. Like it seems <laughs> to be seems to be a thing. I think after yeah. a whole bunch of slightly absolutely maybe slightly real disappointing Star Wars TV shows, some vaguely disappointing. I mean, you know, like the most recent ones were um, the Book of Boba Fett, which was a mess, and um, the Obi Wan no. series, which was which was basically I'm. Um, 
convinced that was going to be a movie and they stretched it out to a six episode limited series. Oh, um, right. Whereas this was like a, a 12 episode series. It just is really, really well done. It's really good. It's it's, it's good in a way that I, do, I wasn't aware that they could make Star Wars this good. <laughs> is it by anybody who's done other things in Star Wars? Or do they actually go out and get some people with No, no. Well, well, and that's that's the thing. Like they got, and, and I'm blanking on his name all of a sudden, but the, the, the main showrunner has done like lots of, you know, spy movies and, and various things. Tony Gilroy is the is the guy's name and, and okay. the, the main the main showrunner who has done like lots of things in the past. He wrote the screenplays for the original uh, Bourne movies. He was involved in like Rogue One. He's done lots of like spy and, and thriller sort of things. Michael Clayton, you know, that that's that sort of thing. Like and he's he's very much knows how to drive a story. Drive a Yes, story. exactly. He knows how to drive a story and he knows how to craft a story and he knows how to and, and he's coming at it as an outsider. So this isn't a show like like so many of the recent movies and shows set in the Star Wars universe have basically been about Star Wars. Whereas this one is about how does a rebellion start in a totalitarian society? How does a totalitarian society sow the seeds of its own destruction? Yeah, and and in, in Robin Hood with Taron Egerton, there's a they attempt to do that. Absolutely, that, that's right. And fail miserably. And, and fail miserably because this is a bad movie. So you don't um, need to. You don't need to have watched other Star Wars things to get Andor. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it, it absolutely stands on its own. And if you just want to see, it, it, it takes two or three episodes to sort of really get cooking because it's a very slow burn series, but not in a modern streaming like oh actually like the whole series is a prequel for series two everything is deliberate in this series and it's fantastic there's a line in one of the like i think it's episode five or six one of the characters says the line never more than 12 and i literally stood up and cheered in my house when they said that like like that that's the quality of writing that that happens in this in this in this show it really no i mean you won't you won't until you watch it but when when the character says that line it's just like a fist pump moment it's just just there are moments Moments in this that are so cathartic, it's insane. Just incredible writing, absolutely incredible writing. So I, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time talking about the incredible TV show. Andor. Like eggs, never more than twelve disciples. Never more than 12 <laughs> hours. Well, that that's a mystery that I'll let you find out by watching yeah, the show, Natalie. Okay, I'll, all right, yeah. cool. But no, it's um. I'm I'm wasting a lot of time talking about the very good show Andor because I I'm avoiding talking about the very bad Robin Hood movie that we're supposed to be talking about. Yeah, um, true. So um uh, yeah, Mendo Mendo's here doing his Mendo thing. He's dressed like a fascist because this movie leans into fascist and totalitarian imagery without really having a lot to say about it other than it's probably bad and there should probably be some sort of like superhero type person to to stop that. Yep. Maybe. Yep. Who knows? It kind of goes through the motions. And they, they attempt to, um, the Will Scarlet character, mm. be, and Marion be kind of, they never really explain who they are, but they hand out soup to poor people and encourage them to get into politics. I don't yeah, it's like, it's like they're, they're meant to be organisers or something, I guess. Yeah. Like They're like unionists or something. Yeah, and except, except it, they, they don't do any, like, union stuff or, no, or organising. No, all they do is, is yell out some smart-ass responses to the sheriff who then lets them just continue on their way. Yeah, it's weird. It's very strange. And then, like, later on, he's he breaks bad by basically yes. telling Marion, like, I'm not going to let anyone get in the way of my political career? Yes. What are you talking about? It's the 1200s, late 1100s, 1200s. Everyone talks in terms of their political career. <laughs> And it's also, apparently, 
apparently the sheriff of Nottingham is, you know, more authoritative than a lord, you know. Yes, like the, 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 the sheriff in this one. And, and that's fine. Like, like sometimes, like in various versions of, of Robin Hood, like, like they have to make a choice who's going to be the big bad guy. And if they decide to go in on the sheriff, they usually like outsize his influence, what what, what influence he would actually have. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm not I'm not totally upset about that, but it is weird that he's basically acting like he could he could be the king. Like it is yeah. strange that they really overpower him in in a weird way. He's making deals with the cardinal. F. Murray Abraham is in this movie. Yeah. Um. As as a car, as a random like skeevy cardinal. Do you know what his name is? Cardinal Franklin. Sure. Is that? A, sure. I mean, is that a reference to something or? I don't know, but it's not like a name. No, it's not. Like, it's... Who, who's called Franklin in twelve hundred? Like Frank, maybe Cardinal Frank, but Frank. I don't know, mate. It just it it rang really hollow with me. It's like calling. It, sure. Him, like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Cardinal Johnson, or so you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Okay, wouldn't it be like Cardinal Chapuis or Lapel or you know? Exactly. Like, like, I mean, he's explicitly Italian, so it would be like you know. <laughs> anyway, who you know, who cares? Um, the, the next the next item on my list is Jamie Fox is there. Yes. Um, Jamie Fox yes. is in this movie, uh, utterly hand. wasting his talents with one hand. Yeah, and like he's a good actor, and he. Got he- Joan Edgerton's a good actor. Like, like you know, the, these people are good actors. He for a Razzie for this film. There were only three Razzies. Well, I mean, I, I don't like to, I don't like to mention the Razzies because the Razzies can get in the bin. I, they, I, they are mean spirited, but my point is, if you're talking about like people who deserve a Razzie, was worst remake, worst supporting actor for Fox, and worst picture. I don't hmm. get how you pick Jamie Foxx over numerous other people in this yeah, film. Yeah, there are people in this movie who deserve that <laughs> way more than him. Like, I mean, I, I, would, I would probably say that Tim Minchin maybe deserves worst yeah. supporting actor because he's he's badly out of his depth in this movie. I didn't mention Tim Minchin on my list, but I'm not sure whether he's on yours. He might be. But just just a what, – what is he doing? What is what he doing? What is he doing? He's, he's he doing attempting so- an accent, I guess, but sometimes he just doesn't. Initially, I thought – he wasn't going to do the accent because when he first he says, and what are your sins, my son? And, <laughs> seeing, and I went, oh, he's just going to do Australian. And he's just, just doing gonna, his voice, yeah. And they're just going to roll with it. Like maybe it's an accent because, you know, Will Scarlett and Marion are both from Ireland. Yes, they, they both have bro- their, their own broad Irish accents yeah. because both of those actors he's, are Irish. She's more Dublin, he's more Belfast. Yeah. But, you know, they're working together yeah. And uh, until the end when he gets jealous and so, you know, because he gets injured, so he becomes Two-Face. He literally becomes Two-Face. Like, this is a weird Batman Begins pastiche, this, this movie. This movie is like The Matrix, The Lord of the Rings, because the sheriff appears to be Saruman with his mind. <laughs> Zero Dark Thirty or whatever the war movie is that I can't maybe can't think of. Hurt Locker. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Hurt Locker? Could is be Hurt. Locker? I mean, there's Hurt Locker to it. Yeah, absolutely. Batman Begins. Yeah, Lord of the It's just so many freaking movies more than it is a Robin Hood movie. But anyway, carry on. Tim mentioned yeah. um, We can talk about him now. We can talk about him later. I don't know. Well, let me – I've only got one one thing left okay, on my list. Right. I, mean, I, I Basically, I mentioned Jamie Foxx just because I thought, like, he's utterly wasted in this movie. Yes. He brings a strange, quiet dignity to what <laughs> is a very thankless role. He fe- it feels like he's the one character who has genuine pathos throughout the movie. Like, obviously, he's given a, a tragic sort of motivation. Um, and he drives all the action. That's the weird thing. Like, he's the one who basically recruits Robin as a terrorist. Yeah. 
and, and says, okay, well, we're going to be like a little sleeper cell and we're going to like, you know, take the fight to them. And he drives everything. He's the, he's the driver of all the action in the movie. Yeah, but then um, apparently they fail anyway. And then they, they basically fail anyway. And they, yeah. they go and live in the forest. They go and, and live in the forest with some money. Because, because this movie sets up a sequel. Oh, wait. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and that was the last item on my list. It's like, man, I can't wait to see what happens in the next movie. Oh, oh dear. I, oh, dear. Yeah, 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. I couldn't bring up the full Facebook post, but I was doing some Googling and one was like, obviously, Tim mentioned at some point, posted a, a going, hey, if everyone goes to see Robin Hood, you know, this week, then Lionsgate will give us a sequel. And, and then it was like dot, 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 and I couldn't see the rest of the post. But, yeah, clearly he was... They were all guns blazing for a sequel, all arrows sharpening for a sequel. Well, this is the thing because we're, we're in peak like cinematic universe territory here. Like this yeah. is 2018. The the uh, Guy Ritchie King Arthur movie uh-huh. was itself trying to set up like an Arthurian universe, like like which isn't the worst idea. There's a lot of material there. Not a um, bad idea. Not not the worst idea, but but I think people were were very wise to people trying to artificially set up MCU style franchises. Yes. Um, well, we talked last week about the mummy and Russell Crowe. Yes, Crow. exactly, exactly, the dark, dark universe. universe. And that was WB's attempt to sort of make its own universe. It was going to have an Arthurian universe. Um and this one was obviously going to be a, a Robin Hood universe because you can do it because they they're all public domain. Like who who cares? Oh, yeah. Just do whatever you want. Do whatever you um, want. So that's my list. That that, that was that was my list. Uh, I don't know whether there was a lot of overlap with yours. There's a little bit. Um, I mentioned. <laughs> Are you okay? I, I'll just quickly check in. I'll check in at various points across the thing. How is the vertigo? Are you okay? Well, I'm, I'm just disappointed. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. This this might be a shorter podcast than other ones that we do because sure. I'm really angry. I'm really. Yeah. The first thing on my list was what the hell did I just watch? Yeah. 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 Like, I had heard this movie was bad, but I wasn't prepared for how bad it actually is. Yeah. I, I wrote Taron Egerton Met. Like he seems to be really popular. And I haven't seen Kingsman, which I guess is his most famous one, and I haven't seen Rocket Man. So I've got no doubt that he's got talent and he's got a bit of charm to him in this film. He's not the worst casting for Robin Hood, really. Like no, I mean he's he's, he's got he's got that sort of roguish charm that, that he's very, you can bring to it. Maybe I'm just getting old and people are looking the same, but he just he kind of looks a bit cookie cutter. Yeah, um, I can understand that, especially in this movie. A bit cookie cutter perfect. Hmm. Although the only I think probably he had the best line or Marion had the best line when she pulls his hood down. He's like, Rob? And he's like, how did you know it was me? And she pulls a, the mask down and goes, "This, what kind of disguise do you call this? And he went, it, well, it fooled everyone else. So that was probably my favourite bit. And he, he, he did that okay. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, there's, there's moments of levity. Just on that disguise, though, sorry to derail uh, your list, but but I, I did want to mention, I didn't write it on my list, but it was bugging me the whole movie. Robin Hood is dressed in blue. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like it, It's like they made a deliberate decision that he yeah. wasn't going to have any green on him whatsoever. Yeah, he was in black and then blue. He's in black with the blue mask. Blue mask. And it's like Robin Hood, famously green. He's a green character. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the green. Like like sometimes they do the, you know, Russell Crowe, Prince of Thieves thing where they they don't they, they dress him in more realistic clothing. That's right. But this isn't a realistic movie. Like like they're not going for realism here. And, right. And and, and they very noticeably make him pop with a colour, but that colour is blue for some reason. And, and Kevin Costner does have like his his leather is kind of a very dark Green. Sure, sure, yeah, exactly. Like there's green highlights to, to what not, he's doing, but but yeah. my, my point is like like that they went with a color for the character, and that color was blue. blue. And it, yeah. like why bananas? Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I, I just uh, I just wanted to point that out. It's just it's just 
is emblematic of the film. It's like Robin Hood famously like dresses in green. In this movie, though, they've got him in blue. In blue. Because yeah. why not? It, it's probably a – did you just say this and I'm just echoing it back to it? It's emblematic of a lot of what's wrong with this. It's like, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. This is just poorly, poorly thought out decisions. Like why? Be, why would they do that? Edgy and cool. Let's put Marion in a leather jacket because she's a modern woman. <laughs> let's put it, let's put Marion in a leather jacket with a push-up bra because they are the girl, the girls are coming out to play in this movie. That's crazy. Oh, see, I didn't notice them because I couldn't stop staring at her eyeliner. Like, <laughs> no one has worn that much coal around their eyes. <laughs> it was very easy. All the miners came out from underneath the pit. Um, <laughs> well, that's why so she, she's, like, she's been she's been now mine. This man had been down mine, been in pet, like so much. I make up like, oh, look, I'm grungy and cool. But she is a charisma vacuum in this film. <laughs> like she is a black hole of <laughs> You're supposed to believe that Robin has fought for four years in the Crusades with the memory of his beautiful gal back home. I'm going to go home and be with my gal in our manor, not house or castle. No, it's in our manor. Oh, it's just our little manor. Our manor. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go home and, and be together and she'll wait for me. Uh, nah, didn't happen. Shacked yeah. up with uh, Fifty Shades of Will Scarlet. Does. And she's just, oh, there's just nothing, there's like nothing happening. And they're trying to do that whole, look, she's a modern independent woman and she can talk back. And she, but there's no there's no like vitality to her. There's no yeah. She she the, the, she's given nothing on the page, and she does nothing to elevate what like, what little she's given. Yeah, Uma Thurman at least was a bit spiky and a bit spunky. And yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Kate Blanchett, obviously great. This Marion is just like a wilted plant. It's an actor called uh, Eve Hewson, um, yes. who is who is very very pretty, um, but just does nothing in this movie. Bono's daughter, put on some freaking albums and perk up. <laughs> put on a bit of Streets with No Name. No, that's not going to perk you up as much, is it? Put on one of their <laughs> non-troubles related songs. Um, put on the the Zootopia album. No, that was the tour. What was it? Pop. Yeah. I like that album. It was, you know, people like you two having a pop phase. It was the 90s. It was great fun. Sure. Put on that discotheque song. Love that song. Get a bit excited, Eve Hewson. Stop looking so freaking bored all the time. Or even look bored. <laughs> just stop looking like not. It was just so frustrating. You've got one of the legendary kind of spunky woman characters. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And you can make it your own too. Like- you can make it your own. Kate Blanchett did a whole bunch of like, oh, I'm going to go scour some gutters and... <laughs> And she's just going, oh, look, here's more soup. She's just constantly handing out soup yeah. to people. <laughs> a lot of soup action in this movie. It's can a big I, soup movie. It's a big soup I, movie. Sidebar, just briefly. I'll have to yes. post a photo of this. I popped into Woolworths uh, today and there was a nice lady at the front of the store doing um, test samples because, you know, they went away oh, yes. ages yeah. with COVID. Well, obviously, yes, um, with COVID, but they're back. They're back in, you know, safety sort of form and there were these bottles sitting in and they looked like juice bottles you know like you'd get a oh look at orange juice or some sort of funky multi fruit flavored juice thing and I was like oh hello what are you you know selling juices and she went oh no they're actually um on the go healthy drinkable liquid lunches and I went right what 
like, it's basically, you know, like cold soup. And I went, I'm sorry. Said, yeah, it's, it's a cold soup that, you know, it's very nutritious and um, they come in different flavors and they're meant to be drunk from the bottle and they're just summer fresh flavors. So nice and cold can keep you, you know, keep you perked up two serves of um, mm. fruit and vegetable in every bottle. And I went, okay, I don't, what? Anyway, the first one I said, okay, I'll try the carrot, lime and turmeric. Oh no. And if you've ever had turmeric in a dish, yes. it's a nice little hint of flavor. I find, you know, it's good as a hint of flavor. But when you sort of take a, well, she gave me a little cup with a spoon so I could sort of spoon it in. Right. Uh, and it all I got was this massive hit of turmeric, just the most insane hit of turmeric. Maybe this is what caused my vertigo. I don't know. That was many hours ago. But I was like, oh, my God, I can't. What is this? Like, What is this? <laughs> This is not pleasant. And she was like so chubby going, oh, I love them. Yeah, they're really fun. You know, you just pack them, take them to work and you can drink them on the go. And I was like, who is drinking? Like I just took half a spoonful and I was like, I cannot. How do you drink a whole bottle in one go? How? How? And she's like, oh, I do. I love it. So I was like, okay, well, I'll taste the other. There were three flavors. And then the other one was beetroot, something and ginger. So I've got, okay, let's taste the beetroot, something and ginger. Taste that. Even worse. Mm. Even worse. Just... <laughs> So much ginger, just a massive, massive hit of ginger right in my sinuses. And I was like, okay, well, I'm awake and I'm hopefully free of colds for the next five years. <laughs> yeah, this this has to pay forward somehow, surely. Yeah, and off a half a tea, you know, half a teaspoon of this stuff that I've just sort of shoveled in. I'm like, oh my God. She's like, oh, please don't feel that you have to eat the whole thing. And I was like, I feel I'm committed. And <laughs> she was just laughing at my reactions going, oh, this is good. You know, we need feedback from, you know, people. And I was like, I don't know how to give you feedback. That's not, who is this for? People who like cold, like, I guess. that Because like V8 juice already exists as well as yes. like sustagen and, and things like that. It. Like, this is more than juice. This, these are like they were thick, thicker. They were, were soupier. And apparently you can heat them up. You just pour them into a microwave-safe thing and heat them well, up. What's the base of them? Like, like, like it's, 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 it, they just sounds like they're, they're, they're juicing things. Yeah, but they're not. They're more than juice. I don't know. I didn't look at the bottle. I should, they've probably got some corn. I'm getting far too invested in this. Like, like it, it, it's uh, something that then, I will never have. So The third flavor was tomato, cucumber, and basil or basil. If you're but see, that's just, that's just V8 juice. Like, what are you? Well, what are yeah. they talking about? <laughs> so I don't drink V8 juice because I have this thing where I don't like tomatoes um, sure. fresh or like roasted. I love tomatoes made into a pasta sauce. Sure, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Pump it into my veins, but like cold tomato country, I don't even really like tomato sauce that you'd put on pies. So I went, okay, well, I guess I'm committed now. I've done two. I better do the third. <laughs> I, I will point out, you were under no obligation to continue I was under talking. No this obligation. Woman. <laughs> this woman was other than the social contract. She just seemed so chuffed that I'd stop talking to her and pay something. She's violently abusing the social contract, and you're and you're the victim. Apparently, most people have just been looking at her and going, "Oh my god, no!" <laughs> and she's like, "I'm just so pleased you stopped to say hi, and you're great. You're a nice human." And I was like, "Oh, okay, I'll try another one of your devil juice. <laughs> I'll try another one of your disgusting so, drinks." So then I take the tomato cucumber one and basil and put it into my mouth and then I was like because she said oh it tastes like pasta sauce and I was like well I like pasta sauce and then put it in my mouth and went but I hate cold tomato <laughs> <laughs> this is cold 
tomato. And I taste maybe a little basil, but really what I taste is cold tomato and it's gross. Oh, and now boy. that I'm thinking about it, it's always making me want to get, I don't know what it is about tomato. I can't handle it in, in fresh states. You know, people who just like eat tomatoes for fun, but cooked down and put into a pasta sauce. Amazing. Love, yeah. but can't deal with it. In its I, I've only, I mean, to be, to be fair, I've only recently come around to various forms of tomato. I used to like pick it off burgers and things. I used to not like it at all. So I, 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 I totally I, get where you're coming from. Yeah. I order a tomato, a burgers without tomato or pick it off if it comes with it. Like I just, I cannot abide. But they're good for your prostate, which does, which is irrelevant to you, but, but important for me. Oh, look, I'm happy enough. It's, I'm sure that who knows what's down there that, that, that <laughs> <laughs> who knows what's down there lurking in the dark. I don't know. I got no idea what's happening. Yeah, so so I have this tomato one. And I'm like, I can't, I can't. I'm really sorry. I can't finish this one. And she's like, it's fine. I just can't. Anyway, so I'm sort of like dabbing at my mouth with a napkin or something to go. Oh my god! And this other woman comes up and it's like, oh, what are these? And she's like, oh, they're, you know, they're they're soup on the go. They're designed to be summer fresh. And so this woman just went, oh, so it's a soup. <laughs> <laughs> well, she had to uh, she had to like explain it to me because this other woman just came up so she grabbed one and before the woman could give her a spoon she just drank it and, and looked at me and I looked at her and she just twisted up her nose and went no <laughs> <laughs> and I I was just laughing going yeah so that's what most people would do is go oh my god no and I was like oh I have and, to you, you, you... the science <laughs> I have to do all three. So I'm, I'm committed not, now. So yeah, cold soup is hopefully not what Maid Marion was handing out. There was a lot of bin fires hanging around that those uh, those mines, yes. which was emblematic of the overall bin fire that is this movie. Yeah, and the mines had a lot of those blowing, um, uh, you know, like the the things outside Crown Casino in Melbourne. You know, the big boom fires. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 like sudden pyrotechnics. That's right. I, I'm, that's I'm right. clear what they're for, but they look it's good. Like, look, ooh, it's a mine. There better be mm. a, you know, there's industry um, happening here. Industry. Oh, yes. What else did I write down here? Oh, whoever wrote this movie was clearly a, a lapsed Catholic or someone with a real grudge. Oh, yeah. Because there yeah. was this weird religious, like, tux sort of. Strong, like, the Catholic Church is, is evil, which, like, to be fair, they are. And, and sure, drag them. But, you know. Evil, evil and corrupt, but it also was, yeah, it's just, it, it was like a modern take on the Catholic. <sighs> See, again, like, Again, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves just did that so much better and they did it with the whole witchcraft thing. But they showed, you know, the the money that the the bishop was collecting, the bribery and yes. all that yeah. being in the pocket of the sheriff and, and getting punished for it. The Catholic Church is not punished here at all. And, like, you could argue that, yes, of course, they, they were not. They were the Catholic Church. They kept going on and on and on until Henry VIII decided he wanted a, a fancy lady to have sex with. But... Uh, uh, well, marry, I should say. It was just sex well, wouldn't have been here. Yeah, really exactly. Like, but but if I can, if I can like point out something that deeply confused me while watching the movie, it's that one of the big revelations of Mendo's sheriff was that that <gasps> they heavily implied that he had been like abused as a as a boy by priests. Well, they, um, yeah, they which again, some really fucking gnarly territory to just be throwing out there yeah. as like random character motivation. But anyway, yeah. that aside, they were putting that out there as like a bit of a revelation as to like, oh, he's playing like a long game or whatever. But then he's just working with the cardinal. Like, there's no sense that he's trying to overthrow the church or anything yeah. like that. He's very much working within the church. If anything, he's trying to overthrow the king, but he's it's not really like it, it, oh his plan God. is extremely nebulous. Yeah. So 
this whole thing is like we've got to work. He gives these big speech. Let's okay. Let me try and through my vertigo try and establish a bit of a plot. So Robin's been at war. Well, no, we actually start with him and Marion becoming boyfriend and girlfriend, and yes. then he gets drafted to war. So he has she tries to-, to steal the horse. Which again, like, I I, yeah, anyway. It's a meet cute. Whatever. I didn't actually, I was like, oh, okay. So they start as, you know, a loving couple. That and I genuinely kids. thought, I thought this movie was going to be smart in that, like, they set up that she was like an, an outlaw trying to steal a horse and he stops her. And I thought they were going to have a scene later that would mirror that with the roles reversed. Oh, and then they just, and then they just don't. No. They just don't because why, why would you? That would be smart. And instead they writing. have her just going, Rob. Are you there, Rob? Yeah, Rob? and he was like, "I'm standing and- outside your abandoned house, <laughs> Rob." <laughs> but I'm not surprised you don't want to come out and see me because I'm as boring as beige curtains. Rob, where are you, Rob? <laughs> and then when he turns up at the church to give a lot of money on a plate, mm. and she just walks out of the congregation and goes, "Rob, I came to see you at your house." Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. Why, why didn't you come out and say hi, Rob? And he's kind of he's kind of doing the Bruce Wayne thing where he has yeah. to he has to yeah. do a double I life. Like he's not all. really doing that. Like no. Uh... Um, sorry. So plot. So yeah, he comes back and <laughs> Jamie Fox smuggles himself aboard Robin Hood's ship back to oh because he get because Guy of Gisborne is his commander in the war and sure. shoots him yes. because he because Jamie Foxx's kid gets decapitated yeah and he says uh, maybe don't do that because that's like a war crime but that's he's like, like a war crime and and Robin Hood is being good and saying hey maybe let's don't do war crimes he's like <laughs> ah you're too soft um arrest you for treason if you weren't a lord but instead I'll just shoot you in the stomach with an arrow instead I'll gut shoot you which I mean I'm pretty sure that's a pretty serious wound in in 1066 or whenever this is oh but. Don't- or 1200 or whatever. Does it affect him? Oh, he's on the boat having a few bad dreams and then he gets off the boat and gets on a horse and rides straight to Nottingham. He's fine. He's fine. It's he's fine. totally fine. Yeah. He's totally fine. I shouldn't pick on that too much. Yes, it is a movie. These yeah, things I mean, Whatever. Like, it's a minor Maybe point, but Jesus. Okay, I was like, you know what? Okay, maybe he is able to smuggle himself on board Robin's ship and then follow him to Nottingham and somehow find out more about the war and what's happening, even though he's not new, like he's not a local, but somehow he knows more than... Robin about like what the plot is because he's going to take it to them because Nottingham is the bank. You heard the sheriff speak. Mm-hmm. The sheriff gives this crazy big speech at the start going, we have to work harder for the war effort. Nottingham is the bank of England. We have to produce from the mines. Which, yeah, of London. course, as you and I as you and I and the listeners both know, is not a thing. Yeah. Not even remotely a thing. Like, no, what, what are they talking about? What does London even mean? Who knows yeah. London? What is London? Like, Nottingham. <laughs> Nottingham. <laughs> the idea that London is just irrelevant. <laughs> Because everyone's kicking their heels up in Nottingham. Um, And that's the thing. At least freaking Robin Hood with Russell Crowe sort of shows Nottingham to be kind of like a a village or a town. It's like a backwater. Like it's not 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 insignificant, but it's... It's a real city with freaking concrete structures and (laughs) dim lighting everywhere. So Jamie Foxx is like, no, I'm going to train you because you tried to at least save my son. So you've got a good heart and I'm going to train you to be a really fast shooter of arrows. In something that in a better film would be a fun subversion, but here I'm sure they didn't even think about it. They just wanted like something cool. Robin has to give up his longbow because like apparently that's like a slow, clumsy weapon, even though like they were they were the super weapon of their day. Yes. Um, and, and instead like has like an Arab style, like recurved bow. Ah. which he can shoot very quickly and is like his superhero weapon. Yeah, Um, new technology. Just weird, strange, Um, strange thing to do. Anyway. Sure, but okay, I'm I'm with it. I'm I'm with it, uh, but 
Tim mentioned, Tim mentioned, oh God, I've got to go. <laughs> he, Do you think he, I don't mean to be mean to Tim Minchin, who is a lovely man by all accounts and, and, and has, has produced great Minchin. joy in my life. I'm um, here for the Minchin batch, backlash. I'm here for it. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. he, he deserves it, the bastard. I saw, um, I saw him in 2008 in Edinburgh and that was at the peak of his Edinburgh popularity and I saw yeah. him at the Pleasance Grand which was the biggest venue in Edinburgh at the time which is like 750 people right um, or the biggest Pleasance venue anyway and he was packing it out I saw him twice maybe three times doing his um the show where he sang the ginger song and yeah, uh, sure, okay. yeah. a whole bunch of the favorites well when he was on when he, was, he was on the rise and he everyone, was, he everyone was totally he was at his and, yeah. like I don't think after that year he ever did Edinburgh again full-time he would come back yeah. and do like a show because he's that famous now he doesn't need to do Edinburgh Fringe anymore and you know loved him great but yeah he just you know thing after thing after thing that when he had, I think, because I mentioned last week, you know, he said he had a bit of a career slump after Groundhog Day, which again, yes, it was on Broadway. Okay, it didn't run for 17 years like freaking Jesus Christ Superstar or whatever, but it still had a good run. <laughs> which he was in. And then he was like, oh, I had a slump and oh, it was hard part of my career. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm going to cry for you, Tim Minchin. Okay. <laughs> and now he's, you know, well, like, look, his Matilda musical has just been made into a film again. I know, yeah, exactly, yeah. Like, he's he's done very well for Like, himself. he's not struggling. By also, no stretch of the imagination is Tim Minchin struggling. He is also responsible for so many freaking people doing parody musical comedy. Like, we repopularized the form. Yeah, yeah, he spawned a new generation of of people going, oh, Tim Minchin's so funny because he writes songs that are funny. So I'm sounding really bitter. I don't, I've got vertigo. Please don't. This, I was about to say, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do a quick check in how is it vertigo how's the vertigo you okay well it's still with me but i'm just powering through okay i had thought oh he's probably not going to be great in this movie because the movie's not going to be great and if he had a bit of a slump and was well he's not an actor i mean this is the thing he's uh, i i haven't seen that new show he's in he's in a show with um uh uh, venera targaryen yeah exactly um which apparently is quite good but i haven't i haven't seen it um it's got a second season yeah i read a Uh, review that the second season isn't as good as the first but yeah it's so say you know but he, you know, wrote that and that's his own kind of vote or co-wrote it or something. I found this article that he did, I think maybe for like a student magazine in Perth or something. And he said, you know, what was on the, what's on the screen is not what was in the original script at all, which, you know, makes me think that there probably were a lot of rewrites. Yes. Um, yeah. It's where he said that he was made to be the narrator, like after the fact that they kind yes. of Yes, but that, that feels like a very much like late, late, edit let's you need someone to explain what's going on so and then he was talking about you know wanting it was fun to be the funny character in a you know serious action was he funny though i mean like this is the thing it's like it's not he's not playing funny i mean this is the thing he's not playing funny and but the thing is i don't think the character's been written funny no like not to blame him totally i think that just the material is not funny yeah no i i I totally agree He seems to be a bit bumbling, but he's also kind of scheming against the church and against the sheriff with Marion. Like they have plots and plans, although it seemed to be steal some keys, steal some plans. That seemed to be the extent of it. Yeah, that they seem to have a pretty shit plan and Robin (laughs) kind of recognises this and and upgrades it on the fly. But at the start when the sheriff gives his big speech about we all got to pay more taxes and says, oh, now the Loxley vote. Oh, no, Tim Minchin says, ah, but the Loxley vote hasn't been counted. He's like, well, he's dead, so no. Yeah, like what are you talking about? Ah, but he's alive. 
he's been seen today in town, come back from the war. And everyone's like, and the sheriff says, who saw him? Who told you they saw him? And he's like, oh, I can't break the seal of the confessional. And he's like, so you saw him? He's like, oh, he's like so dumb. Yeah. Why do they say that then? Why do they need to announce it? Because what then happens is that Robin goes back to his manor house and trains extensively with Jamie Foxx, who he's John, because his name in Arabic is the English equivalent of John. Sure, whatever. Uh, And (laughs) he trains with him for... I don't know. Is it just days? Is an an undisclosed amount an of time. They, they do a montage. They, they do a montage. Natalie is what they do. They do a montage. It's a montage amount yeah. of time for him to get trained up to be as good as little John is. You know, little John only has one hand now. Also, he seems to create like a metal stump for his hand as well. Yeah, I thought. I thought, and this is the thing. Every time I think the movie is going to kick into overdrive, it always just pumps the brakes because I thought he was going to make himself a metal hand, and I was like, yeah. "Hell yes, let's get on board with this." I want him to have like like a crazy or like a crazy gadget hand. Like, yeah. do that, do that. Like, yeah. that would be interesting. That would be fun. That would be silly and over the top. Instead, yeah. he just whacks a lump of metal on there. He just, and it's I like, mean, I guess it's like making a fist, I suppose. But sure, it's a stump. And he doesn't really use it. Like, no. like when he when he's fighting, he always uses his big stick because, like, he's little John. But Robin, but you expect to see him like whack people with the big metal fist, and he never does. It helps Robin uh, recognize him at the end because he sure. So this is the so, and it, oh god, there's so many things. <laughs> So Tim Minchin, uh, sorry, Father Tuck is faffing around, trying to instigate a plan. Robin's been training and then eventually Jamie says, no, you've got to go be Robin Hood in public. You've got to show up in nice nice clothes, be the playboy, you know, Bruce Wayne. Be Loxley. Be, be Loxley, yeah. so that people don't think you're also the hood. He turns up, but like nobody, like he's been said, he's back in town. The sheriff doesn't send out some guys to his manor to go, hey, are you back? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, no one checks up on him. He's just allowed to hang out there doing like montage training sequences. It's made very clear that the sh- that he was declared dead by the sheriff. The sheriff is the one who read him out as one of the fallen and used that as a pretext to take his castle to fund the war effort. Hmm. Wouldn't you be invested in finding out if he really was back? No, absolutely. And, and wouldn't and wouldn't Loxley at least make a, a show of being like, hey, so you took like everything that I owned? Can I have some of that back? Or, or, or hey, don't worry about it. But they just never mention it? They do, because remember, they go rob, uh, like they rob the sheriff's toll takings or whatever. And then he uses that to pay the sheriff his, you know, like, oh, here's my contribution to the war effort. Sure. Um, and he says, oh, I'm, you know, sorry, I didn't know you were dead. That's why I took your castle. And he's all like, oh, don't mention it. But you think going, look, I understand, but that was wrong. And I hope, you know, having some. They, they just blow right past it. They, they blow they, right it's past it's it unimportant of, to it's the movie. Of little John's plan that he has to play nice, right? He, yeah. has to, he has to be all frenzy, frenzy with Nottingham. And so we get to this point that you were mentioning where Nottingham has a meeting of his council and the Loxley vote is important. And they Loxley says, well, I'll offer a, a, a reward for the hood. I'll stake it my personally myself to, to capture him. This is the only mm. time a reward is mentioned until like the very end. Yeah. And so Mendo sends everyone out of the room <laughs> and has this big like confessional monologue about how he was beaten by the church. Well, not the church, but by monks and priests as a yes. boy. 
and you had to either have the spirit, the strength beaten out of you or beaten into you. And I didn't scream. And so it's like, oh, okay. So is he playing a long game where he's going to take all the money from the church and like screw them over? And that's yeah. why he's bringing Robin into his com- confidence. And then it's like, no, no, he's apparently yeah, no. with the cardinal to try and become the king of the country. Yeah, of of England, Natalie. But I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't think people understand that uh, an orphan boy raised by the church, okay, you might be installed as the Sheriff of Nottingham. Okay, I buy that. You might be installed. But you're not going to just be made king. And the way that Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves kind of gets around that is that they, you know, have him marry Marion, who has a royal blood. That's the kind of pretext of him trying to usurp the throne because that's what they do in Robin Hood. So I'm not I'm yeah. not poo-pooing the idea as, as a whole, but it just kind of comes out of nowhere. And it's like, so what, is he doing it as revenge for his childhood beating? But why tell Robin that? And, oh, something else happened that I wrote down somewhere and I was like, what are you doing, Mendo? What is going on? <laughs> oh, yeah, the, the whole thing about... Fear. This is what I mean. Whoever wrote this is uh, Angry Laps Catholic because the guy who goes, fear is the church's greatest weapon. No, fear is our greatest weapon. It's why the church invented hell. And you yeah. just thought someone really patted yeah. themselves on the back for that. And was Absolutely, like, yeah. yeah. So someone, someone was like, yeah, I really stuck it to them. <laughs> yeah, and was like, this was a good day. And like, again, like, sure, drag the Catholic church, go for it. But like, yeah. you know, just, just juvenile yeah. stuff, like whatever. Take control from the king. Because, yeah, so that's, so all the time he's like the war effort, the war effort. And then eventually it's like, the, what's the bigger plan? What's the big tape? I want to be in the room with the big guys. And it's like, oh, no, he just wants to assert the king. That wasn't obvious. Like, what the hell, Robin? Are you dead? Oh, they robbed the treasury because he's not happy with what they're doing. He wants to hit a big target. Let's rob the treasury. And Jamie Foxx goes, oh, it's a hard target. And he says, we can do it. We need to, we need to, you know, be serious. And he goes, okay, well, how would you do it? And then it cuts to them doing it. Yeah. But it kind of goes wrong. And there's all the, you know, there's all these cool mechanics and shit where. Yeah, he utterly fails to steal anything, which he says. And then they're like, yeah, but but we did it. What? He says, he says, ah, but we've got their attention now. You already had their attention. They were calling you the hood. They'd already talked about the masked man who was taking stuff. All they know now is that, like, no one can literally walk into a treasury and steal things from it because it's a treasury. It's the freaking golden eye. It's Fort Knox. It's It's Fort Knox, essentially. You can't walk into a treasury. You have to nuke it. You can't just walk into a treasury and go, well, I'm going to load up and take everything from the treasury. That's not how treasuries work. There's like lots of shit <laughs> Lots of apparently dudes in singlets counting shit. Like there were so many counting freaking, oh, my God. Sorry. So, yeah, so they get, oh, I'm getting so confused. Oh, yeah, so Jamie Foxx at one point you think he's going to be killed, but no, then he doesn't get killed. He he makes it to jail where Mendo interrogates him and then makes this sort of like horrible promise to like, cover him with pig's blood and burn him so he'll never like he won't have the proper funeral rights as a muslim yeah, yeah. God and i don't have fa- and it's James which Fox- again feels like them it feels like them trying to make like the sheriff like an utterly reprehensible character and just yeah. sort of strays into casual racism it's weird well it's weird and then he's like but if you've got faith you know He's like, I don't have faith. I'm I'm free of that. So it's liberating. And Jamie Foxx is like, ah, oh, but faith. So there's this weird like quasi-pro-religious as well, like this whole like faith thing. Sure. Yeah. I mean like, yeah. I, I, and faith in. Again, again, the movie doesn't care about yeah. any of it. It, it just is saying things. It's, it's, it's two characters saying things at each other until it's time for the scene to be over. 
you, you hate the Catholic Church and the indoctrination, but a proud warrior from another land, his faith, you know, that means something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, uh, again, we, like not not looking at the implications of that. Yeah. Oh, at one point, sorry, this I had to write this down because at one point when Guy of Gisborne has been chasing, oh, was it at the mines and they chase? Or was it at the yeah, trip? I think so. Where they, they do the horse the chase, that is the, like oh they're, they're riding horses up, I wrote up down, stairs and things. I wrote down somewhere so many CGI horses were injured in the making of. This. <laughs> <laughs> they really just kill horses. Like like they people shoot them and they fall over and they treat them like cars. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, or, or, like, like- or like bikes. They're treating the horses in this movie like motorbikes, and and horse and carts are, are cars or trucks. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what this is. And they've got to have like turning circles, turn, turn. At one point, you know, Mendo, you hear Mendo yelling at, at, <laughs> at a guy of Gisborne is like, as long as he is uncaught. What the fuck is that? Is <laughs> uncaught. Why don't you say as long as he is free? Yeah. As long as he is out there, as long as he is loose. As it's, long it's, as- telling, it's telling that an actor of Mendo's calibre didn't even bother suggesting the edit. <laughs> He's like, yeah, whatever, I'm just saying the lines, man. He's both chewing the scenery and phoning it in at the same time, yeah. which I guess in itself is a remarkable achievement. I mean, it's very Mendo. <laughs> we should do a Mendo on. <laughs> <laughs> Raven Mendo. Dive into the Mendoverse. The Mendo- <laughs> oh, my God, you can't make me laugh too much. My head is spinning. Um, Robert gets shot in the chest. He gets shot in the chest by Guy of Gisborne. He does, yes. And Marion pulls it out. Yeah. Gives him a kiss, pulls it out, and then he's fine. Well, this is after he gets shot in the leg earlier during during the the treasury heist, and then he's fine. He walks it off. Yeah, he walks Um, it off. And Jamie Foxx even, like, slams his fist into the wound. He's like, ah. And again, I was thinking, is that going to come into play later? Because, you know, like Robin Hood had a conspicuous injury to his leg and now all of a sudden Robin of Loxley is showing up limping you know is that gonna put him in suspicion oh, is there gonna be tension you. there no it's never addressed thank again you for reminding me of the other point that I wanted to make when Robin turns up after like I said that Mendo didn't send out some guys to go hey are you back but also when he turns up nobody thinks to go hey it's funny how you came back to town and then this outlaw came back to town yeah. It's like pretty funny coincidence, isn't it? He just he just instantly trusts him. Yeah. And and then trusts him completely right up until he literally reveals himself in front of him to be Robin Hood. Yeah. It's like nobody thinks to go and that's and that's the thing that because it's it's kind of fun this idea of the the domestic terrorist, the Batman thing. It's it's kind of fun. It hasn't been done before in Robin Hood. But that's because he's just come back yes. and all of a sudden you've got to a masked dude, like Bruce Wayne at least has been around. Actually, well, in Batman Begins, he's just come back, hasn't he? He's just like comes back from a... Sure, yes, he, he has, exactly. And, and again, this movie seems to be cribbing extremely heavily from Batman Begins specifically. Yeah. To the point where he has a an African-American mentor called Fox who gives him gadgets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, isn't it Fox with two X's though? So, you know. Well, yeah. But, yeah, nobody thinks to go, hey, funny how you turned up at the same time. And then, oh, God, there's so much. What even happens at the end? They have a um, big fight. They have a big fight. Everyone everyone steals the money, and I think they get away with the money. I can't even remember. I, I was so beaten in the face by this movie at that point. I was just oh, like, I, I don't actually get – because they, they, they get away with the cash, right? Yeah. So according to the Wikipedia plot summary – 
Oh, God, I forgot that there's the whole speech to the people where he recruits all the miners to fight with him. Oh, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> whatever. No one cares. The movie doesn't care. When the tide of the battle begins turning in the sheriff's favour, Robin surrenders to avoid further bloodshed. Oh, that's right. That's where he has his PTSD moment. He goes, I don't want more people to die. Here, take me, take me. He's taken yeah. to the sheriff's castle to be executed. One of the guards is actually John, having previously escaped, sure. escaped his cell. And he finally claims revenge on the sheriff by hanging him by the chain on the massive sensor burner and left dangling high up from the roof of the cathedral. Mm. So Jamie Foxx in that interrogation scene had said, I'm going to be the last thing you ever see and you're going to wish there was a heaven or you're going to wish there was a God or something like that. Yeah. But all of a sudden he's now the guy to take revenge on the sheriff. So even though you've kind of set up Robin as the hero, it's... Mm. Um, it's it's ultimately it. Jamie Foxx's little John who, John who gets the, the, the cathartic, like, kill the villain moment. Yeah, but he should have really done that with Gisborne because Gisborne is the guy who ordered his son to be yes. killed as a war crime. Yes, absolutely. But Gisborne, is Gisborne even killed? I, I don't even I think he, he, he disappears. It's a good point. I don't actually remember what happened. John, John is captured by Gisborne. In the summary, he's not mentioned after John gets captured. Yeah. Um, he's definitely, he's around in the final sort of action sequence, but then like the movie loses track of him and so do we. Like, And, and, and we never get any yeah. resolution with him. He should, it, it should have been Robin with the sheriff and, and Fox with Guy of Gisborne. With, with like, Gisborne, absolutely, yeah. You killed my son. Yeah, absolutely. And so now I'm here, but instead And he's then, dead. like, so, so the movie finishes with the sheriff dead, but everyone still has to flee into Sherwood Forest and be outlaws. Yes, because the Catholic Church is still in charge and they now oh, offer okay, the role of Will Scarlet, right. who's, you know, become two-faced because his girlfriend ran off with her ex-boyfriend uh, who went to the Crusades and was presumed dead. And so he abandoned all his principles in favour of his political career. And, and he basically just becomes the new sheriff. And, and, he becomes and a new sheriff. dresses the same, talks the same. the same and says, now I'm... I've, but I've has like a red life. face now. Yeah, he's got a red face and he's like, I'm here to promote the peace of the Catholic Church and our workers and whatnot. And he says, we need to, my job is to make sure I stand over the dead body of the hood. And then you see Robin go, welcome to the party, pal. (laughs) (laughs) I literally can't remember what he said. Uh, Welcome to the big table, I think is the. Oh, that's the the one. Welcome to the big table. Whatever. It was supposed to be a cool catchphrase that obviously didn't hold up in my mind. It was, well, because it was said once at the start and then he says it again at the end and, and nothing was done to support it in the middle. Yeah. Um, oh, and you see them all running out of a sewer into Sherwood Forest. So, again, like the Russell Crowe one, minimal Sherwood Forest. Yeah, so so at the end suddenly they're, they're outlaws in Sherwood, Sherwood Forest. And, and they do they do take the cash, I think. Like So they've, they've got yeah. – they're, they're funded basically. They take a whole big chunk of cash – and then the last thing you see is is Tim Minchin walking off into the forest going, I don't think we've met. My name's Tuck. And then little John says, oh, my name is Yakar. I can't remember how you pronounce his surname, but it was like Yakar something. And he and Tim Minchin said, oh, at least let me translate it to John. Ah, oh, he speaks Arabic. He's clever. Ah, oh, cool, clever. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> And then the movie is mercifully over. I really what, what a note to end on. What a note to end our our Robin Hood subsection thingy on. I think 
I was afraid this would happen because I, I, I had heard that this was a bad movie. Yeah, and- yeah, and I'm not, I'm not unhappy that it's a bad movie to discuss because, I mean, obviously if it's Prince of Thieves, sure, we end on a fantastic high. But <laughs> it, it is interesting to see how people just want to make a franchise Yes. Or set something up to make a sequel without really planning for what they're going to do. Let's just throw a whole bunch of stuff here. It, it obviously was cashing in a bit on sort of Game of Thrones popularity as well by having some cool medieval stuff. But also, look, we're modern. Like just not having, yeah, I just, I want to look through here quickly, see if there's anything to, to, to anything to. <laughs> Well, can I can I just say I think there's I, I said it a bit at the start, but I think there's the ghost of a way more interesting and weird, over the top film hidden in whatever the hell this is. Do you know what I mean? Like, like every choice in this movie is to go slightly less big than they really should. That th- this movie should be like completely insane. It should be nuts. Like 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 Little John should have like a gadget hand. Robin Hood should be full on like Batman or or like you know. Hawkeye or, or like Green Arrow. I mean, Green Arrow is the superhero that's directly based on, on Robin Hood. I feel like they um, went full circle and went back to that green, you know, that dodgy Green Arrow show that was on? Yeah, Arrow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Arrow, yeah. People Most people that. like that show, but but I've, I've yeah, I never got into the well, I the think I thing. watched like two episodes of it when it first came out mm. and went, oh, my God, this is so soap opery. It became the basis of like a whole DC TV universe. It's insane. I know. Like, There's this whole other world out there that I've never delved into. But- yeah. Okay, there you go. Apparently, it was filmed in Dubrovnik, Croatia. I've been there. That's where Game of That's why it looks like Game of Thrones. <laughs> that's why it looks like Game of Thrones. They probably reused a bunch of the sets. Because that's King's Landing. I wonder if it looks like King's Landing. Oh. Okay, it was filmed in 2017. Man, <laughs> no, 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 no one cares about these these, these facts. Wow, it only grossed <laughs> 30 million in the US and Canada. Yeah, and it, it was a giant bomb. It was a, a big old stinker. Ooh. Um, yeah, it, it did terribly at the box office and quite deservedly so. Yeah. Um, this is an absolute steaming turd of a film. As we said, it is a fucked pig. Okay, reading a few critical response here's thing that are on Wikipedia. Rolling Stone's Peter Travers wrote, Arriving just in time to win a place among the year's worst films, Robin Hood robs you of two hours. Glenn Kennedy. <laughs> everyone, everyone, it's, a type, it's a type of movie where all the critics just sort of crack their knuckles and are like, right, I get, yeah. to, I get to really go nuts on this one. New York Times said the film strains to be relevant. Jamie Foxx must have lost a bet. The plot is twisty in a perfunctory way. I don't even know how it's twisty. The action predictably explosive, the sought-after exhilaration non-existent. Yes, that is true. Peter Bradshaw of The Guardian summarised the film as a beardless and bloated prequel which should be outlawed. I see what he did there. Michael O'Sullivan, writing for The Washington Post, described the film as amounting to a chilly and flavourless frappe of historical speculation, revisionist folklore, and every lazy action movie cliche ever written and further characterise the dialogue and costumes anachronistic. But see, the thing is, like, I I don't mind the anachronisms. They they should have dialed them up. Like, make it, it, like, crazy, over-the-top nonsense, and, and I will be fully on board. But this movie kind of exists in this weird grey area where they want to do like all the modern parallels and make it anachron- make it deliberately anachronistic. But then they also are like, oh, but we don't want to go too silly with it because that might put off people. And it's like, no, just go for it. Like make it the most nuts bonkers version of this movie you possibly can. Yes. It's always more interesting to do that than do whatever the hell they did here. I found a few quotes on a website when I was looking up the movie and they don't, unfortunately they don't have attribution. So I'll just read some out because I think some of them make some good points. 
Nottingham is funded by mines that didn't exist in England at that time and popularly <laughs> by people who wear American apparel beanies and glasses and visit buildings made of concrete. A knight's tale made those kind of anachronisms worse yes. because it was steeped in the actual history surrounding jousting and classism in the Middle Ages. But Robin Hood just really wants to show you what a wagon chase arrow shootout in an industrial yard would look like. It's simply another action movie desperately hoping to spawn a franchise despite doing nothing to justify one. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, if they'd just ripped off Robin's story and renamed the characters, it would still be a shoddy piece of work, but we wouldn't be compelled to compare it to those Robins which precede it. This singularly fails to swashbuckle in the manner of the 1939 classic The Adventures of Robin Hood, and Edgerton has as much in common with Hollywood legend Errol Flynn as I do. Even Ridley Scott's dour 2010 take has a meaty sense of historical purpose and some mm. magnificent visuals typical of the director. This is an abomination worse than Guy Ritchie's recent King Arthur and as bad as <laughs> right. Assassin's Creed, wildly misfiring and always off target. Yes, um, again, again, I, I find a little to disagree with. Ah, <laughs> uh, I, I really am interested if people have seen this film, listeners. Uh, Twitter is still running at the moment, so do call in. Uh, you know, it's, we're on a we're on a tightrope, so call in. But it, <laughs> like, I wouldn't recommend people go and see it just to hear what we're talking about because it, unless you really like getting angry at stuff, you probably wouldn't get it. You'd probably be bored, to be honest, or a bit mystified. I'm a Robin Hood fan, so that's what made mm. me angry about it. But I just thought, like, they spent a hundred million dollars on this movie, and what does it add apart from the fact that? good people were employed and had acting work what has it given the world like i couldn't even think the 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 shots were all like matrix shots he's firing multiple arrows but there's lots of cgi involved like what's it given what's it contributed to the i mean you could say this of a lot of movies yeah but even something like men in tights has a campy value that people remember you know this is just it's so soulless and cash in like again like no adventure no swashbuckle no, yeah exactly yeah no heart you know it's, there, there's it's no nice. yeah it, it's a very Marian, cynical movie okay at one point marion says because he's like oh i never expected to come back from the crusades and lead a lead a revolution against the tyrants and she's like i did but another point where he's like um, after he thinks Jamie Foxx has been killed and they're hiding from the bad guys and he says, that's it, I'm done, I'm finished it. He's the one who directed all of it. He's made it all happen. I'm finished without him. And she says, and I quote, if not you, then who? If not now, then when? Yeah. Like like it's a freaking motivational calendar mm-hmm. in front of your desk at the office or something. Like it's just so trite. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, at least Robin Hood has like I would die for you or something. Like, you know, <laughs> if not if not you, then who? If not now, then what, what? What this what this movie needed was a Brian Adams ballad, is what you're saying. I wouldn't have hated that. No, I mean, absolutely I would, not. I would have hated that, but I, I, I the, the, the I, modern I, version of that is probably like an Ed Sheeran ballad, which, which would just make me more angry. But anyway, an Ed Sheeran ballad or like a fun, you know, revisionist take on some classic thing you know where they get Beyonce to redo something sure yeah 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 I'm sorry for sounding so negative I really don't it's it's really interesting to watch the different styles of film from the 90s to as you say the 2010s we've got to make a franchise because that's clearly a driving force of this kind of thing is like quickly just throw a lot of money 
at some free IP. Because where where are you going with the sequel to this? Okay, you're going to go up against Will <laughs> Scarlet. You're just going to have, okay, that's where you're going to do the, the Sherwood Forest stuff. Like why are people doing films aiming for the sequel? Because they want a, a, a shared cinematic universe. Like li- literally that's the reason. Like I haven't seen the new Glass Onion, is it? The the new, I didn't see, I think it just came out at the cinemas briefly and then it'll be on Netflix, The Knives Out. Yes, very much looking forward to that movie. That, yeah, that, me too, yeah. because I, I mean, I didn't see the original at the cinema. I saw it on somewhere, well, maybe a year or so ago. So fun, so clever, fun. No, Knives Out is an incredible movie. Well, this is the thing, like I love murder mystery things, but that seemed to get a lot of people who normally don't like murder mystery things into murder mystery things. Because Absolutely, but but it, it also it also has something in there for people who are deeply into murder mystery yes. uh, things yeah. because it manages to do something new with the murder mystery format, which is insane. Yeah. Like how how could there possibly be something new that you could do yeah. and yet that movie does it? So I don't think, though, that he would have written that with the aim of writing more Benoit Blanc. No, but, but that is perfect for that kind of thing where you can just have that character show up and solve another mystery yes but did he write it with that in mind or did he did he, I mean, just he probably he probably thought i might have my hercule Poirot here but but he definitely like the movie itself like knives out is a self-contained movie yes and so from there they're like you know what this character could be transplanted into another into another mystery mystery as opposed to these like let's do a king arthur thing and set up the foundation of a thing like let's I guess that they're thinking big and they're they're looking ahead but maybe just go let's make a really fun Robin Hood movie with all the usual kind of Robin Hood stuff and see then if it has legs the trouble with Robin Hood specifically King Arthur you can you can play around with where you end the story and there's there's room to sort of move in a sequel but the trouble is a Robin Hood movie ends when you defeat either the sheriff or Prince John do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like you tell the tale. You tell the tale of Robin Hood. He steals from the rich, gives to the poor, fights the sheriff and or Prince John, wins at the end, and the story's over. Like where where, where would a sequel even go? You know? Like that's the big trouble. And so this movie has to reckon with that by basically setting up a new sheriff in the form of Will Scarlet. Yeah. Um, which means the movie kind of doesn't end. You have this new guy that you have to worry about and it's like, tune in next time. And it's like, oh, there will not be a next time. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. It's it's a really fascinating movie in, in all the choices it makes that it does wrong. <laughs> it's it's fascinating. It's so oh, it's so monumentally bad. Like I really wonder what the people who are in it think about it. I, um, well, I suspect they, like the movie going public, have largely forgotten that it even existed. Um, I hope everyone involved had a great time making it. This is this is what I mean. Like it, it provided work for people. Yeah, people got, got paid. paid. People 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 got paid. People had fun. People did stuff. You know, um, the good city of Dubrovnik got another yeah. boost yeah. of, of investment. <laughs> sure. It's important. It's good to know. It's good stuff. Um, this movie does not exist. People have absolutely memory hold this movie and rightly so. Yeah, it's going to be a Mandela effect. Absolutely. Um, and it, it's so weird that this is like the most recent Robin Hood movie because obviously this absolutely soured the pot for any future Robin Hood movies. That there, there was a point where multiple studios were working on various like Robin Hood films because again it's free IP but they all just stopped like like as far as I'm aware there's not currently any major studio pursuing any sort of Robin Hood project 
and they probably won't be for several years. I think if they were to look back at it again, I mean, it's sort of hard to know, isn't it? Like, what do you what do, do you the thing? Do a swashbuckling like like do a Pirates of the Caribbean style swashbuckling adventure with Robin Hood, the swashbucklingest character who ever buckled a swash. <laughs> like, for God's sake. <laughs> and, and the thing is, is that people like I. I think I remember seeing that Eve Houston going, "Oh, well, Marion in this film is very, you know, independent." And but she's always been independent. She's this always, is, she's always, even right back to the beginning, even back to like the Errol this, Flynn movie, she was a the strong most character. Marion, we've seen. Yeah. Yes, like, exactly. People who've played Marion, Audrey freaking Hepburn, yes, ends up killing him. Uma Thurman. Well, she ends up doing some weird. She kind of got lost in that movie, but she's she's oh, fine. Like she's dresses good. up as a boy, pretends to be a boy. Yeah, to run yeah away she's some fun stuff. There's some fun business there. Fun. Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio, great in a knight's outfit, beating him up in the first scene. Absolutely. Uh, you know, but but in the end, has to be rescued because you know she's a woman being held hostage by a madman. Mendo, you're not Alan Rickman. Just sorry, <laughs> you're not. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> don't come for me, Mendo stands. You, the, the, you can be cancelled by the Mendo Hive. The Mendo Hive. <laughs> They're going to come at me with their best, um, what's that? Was it Animal Kingdom? No. <laughs> yeah. Menacing Australian suburban drug dealers. <laughs> Whatever it is, yes. Yeah, so I, I, I um, who else play? Olivia de Havilland. Yes, she's a maiden, but she escapes to go tell Robin that he's in danger, or to go get the word to someone that Robin's in danger. From she the has island. a lot of she has a lot of agency in that film, yeah, and, he, and he's a very winning presence. So it's very nice because that's the whole point. Is they're supposed to be adventurers together? Like that's why yeah. they're a good couple because exactly. they're, you know both swashbuckling and stuff. Probably the worst one next to that is like the chick from Men in Tights because she's being a parody of all the tropes. She's a parody. She's literally a parody of a damsel in distress, which is, you know, itself kind of bad. But like, you know, there's a reason that that she's, she is that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's never really been what Marion is. Yes. And the thing is, it started with promise. Like, I actually didn't mind that whole thing of like, he finds us stealing a horse and it's like, oh, I'm captivated by you. But they just delve straight away into the romance that, yeah, I just. No, absolutely. We come now to oh, the wanting to, to rank the films. And I mean. Let me find my list. I mean, goodness, Nat. Like, I didn't think we would find a movie that would give the bottom of the list a run for its money more than this movie. Like, I, I feel like the way we've talked about it and the way the way we've reacted to it, like, it has to be dead last, right? Like, this is the worst. This is the not only the worst Robin Hood movie we've seen, this might be the worst movie we've looked at for this podcast. Oh, gee. What else have we? Because, I mean, you know, we've done, like, James Bond and, Batman. you know, like, like the, the Batman movies. Like, like, I mean, like, Batman and Robin. Robin at least is like fun and colorful and campy as shit and, and campy like, like it knows what it wants to be I just I just deeply dislike it but <laughs> like this movie has no idea what it wants to be this movie is a, a movie in search of a of a of a, scr- of a script like it, it's in search of any sort of motivating drive or, or animus it's ridiculous yeah. it, it's the I, worst movie we've ever looked at because that's the thing like you could you could argue that okay well it's going to be a better production value than say the batman 66 film sure but also batman 66 is a little time Batman 66 is a goddamn delight and this movie is a piece of shit <laughs> i'm just trying to think in the future because like okay i love the robin uh, uh, sorry i love the the bond movies and i can go find joy in all of them 
and people rediscover Bond movies and go, oh, let's talk about, you know, A View to a Kill because it's been a bit maligned but does it deserve maybe a bit of fun, a bit of, a bit of love? I just can't imagine doing a retrospective of this film and finding it. No, like, there's nothing There's nothing to love here. We can look at Die Another Day, which is the worst Bond film. 20 years this month, I believe. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and having several revisionist takes, which are wildly, like, clickbaity. Like, what What even are you talking about? That movie is, is garbage. But I'm okay it with still it. Has, it still has Pierce Brosnan's James Bond in it. Yes. You know, and it still, it yeah. has like, you know, just, it, it has um uh, Halle Berry as, as the Bond girl and, and it has a, a villain with diamonds embedded in his face yeah. and an invisible car. Toby like, Stevens chewing the scenery. Sure, exactly. It has all of those things. It's a wonderfully ridiculous movie. It's terrible. It's, it's the worst Bond film. I don't like it, but- it's, again, Citizen Kane compared to this nonsense. <laughs> That's the thing. I just, I, there's no joy in this film. No. I, no, I didn't it, it's, come, a, like, it's a series of contractual obligations. Yeah. I watch Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and I feel joy and I feel happy. And even watching things like the Sean Connery Made Marion one, which I, um, Robin and Marion, which I hadn't seen before, was so enthralling and so mm. delightful to discover and so genuinely good-humoured and had some points and had some things to say and had some pathos and uh, I would go back and watch that, whereas I can't see watching this again and thinking anything but what a what a waste of everyone's time and talent. Yeah, this, this movie, as they say, they it robbed me of two hours and I want them back. I, I can't find anything on Wikipedia about it, but if you know any detail about how this script was written, because I assume there were multiple drafts if oh, yeah. mentioned sort of thing was anything to go by, but I assume it, it had a lot of, you know, script doctoring and stuff like that. But but why? Like how is it so hard for studios to just go, let's just make a rollicking adventure film? And, it, mm. you know, it still took elements from other Robin Hood, like he goes to the Crusades, come back, and his castle is burnt down. Yeah. You know, this this movie is a weird. It's a weird capstone to the whole series because, like, it's taking all these elements that we know from previous Robin Hood movies, specifically, not even just the legends, but like the movies, because we have nearly nearly a hundred years worth of Robin Hood on film yeah. um, to draw from, and this is what came out the other end. <laughs> It just ah, oh, it just it just makes me sad. It's it's a it's a weird yeah. way. As I said, it's a weird way to cap off this series. It's a fascinating failure of a movie, but it, it's terrible. It's the worst thing we've ever watched. It is, and so yeah, I think I would rather go back and watch the story of Robin Hood from 1952 than this again. Yeah, at, at least that one has like Robin Hood swashbuckling his way around Sherwood well, Forest and fighting the sheriff, little, and yeah, he has a fight with Little John on a log over a stream. Yeah. That's all I want. Yeah. I just want beefy men banging their sticks together. But that's a whole other genre. <laughs> you can um, you can get that. I mean, you know, you don't necessarily have to go to a cinema to it. I love a beefy man. There were some hefty dudes in this movie, actually. That was the one thing I remember looking at. The dudes, <laughs> the dudes who were um, – do you know what I watched recently, Stu? Sorry, it just reminded me. I don't know why this came into my brain. Do you remember The Three Musketeers from 1993? I'm, I'm a massive fan of that movie, yes. Is not that movie so much freaking fun? I watched it with a friend of mine who was up from uh, Sydney and uh, we sat down on Sunday evening and I found, I just so happened we were scrolling through and I was like, oh, my God, The Three Musketeers. I haven't seen this film in probably 20 years. Fantastic. I loved this film as a kid. Loved Chris that. O'Donnell as D'Artagnan. Oh, my God. He's Keith D'Artagnan. Sutherland, Charlie Sheen. He's D'Artagnan. He's D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan. <laughs> 
Hey, I'm D'Artagnan. I'm going. And, to- and again, this is this is um, in the Brian Adams verse as well because they, he has the he has the um, Rod Stewart singing yeah. Brian Adams. Because it's, it's the th- it's love. the three musketeers singing the song. All for love, you know, because it's all for love. <laughs> and it's Michael Kamen, the same composer as Robin Hood. They took a lot of the creative team from Robin yes, Hood. Yes, it has a very That's Prince of good. Thieves feeling about it. It's so good, and it's so fun. And yes, they're all fucking Americans going. Tim Curry is Cardinal Richelieu, amazing. He, he's literally like. The musket Kiefer Sutherland being all broody, like super hot. Like I don't remember being a Kiefer Sutherland stan, but he's super hot in that movie, and he's all brood. It's really hard for blonde dudes to pull off beards and mustaches. Yes, like it's harder for them, you yeah. know. And Kiefer yeah. Sutherland is like rocking it <laughs> and looking so freaking moody and sexy. And he has this whole big spiel about love. Huh, let me tell you about love. Let me tell you about a young man who so loved this woman. Blah, 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 and this incredible detail. And D'Artagnan just sits and listens and is like, wow, you never once goes, you really know a lot about this dude. Like, uh, yeah, that's right. Disturbing amount of really personal information about this dude and his wife and her betrayal. And it's almost like you were there. I mean, you just tell the story so well. Like, you, are you sort of memorizing, like, memoiring this in a monologue to me? I don't, I don't want to do that. It's so funny. And, and how D'Artagnan meets Constance and the Queen for th- 30 seconds on the road to Paris. And then she's immediately in love with him and doesn't yes. actually see him again until the very end of the film. And then they kiss. Yeah. Absolutely. Literally meets him for 30 seconds. They're on horseback and never again. And then at the end, kiss. It's so great. It's so great. And and Um, speaking, I I don't know whether this is where you were going with this, but speaking of beefy men, uh, Oliver Platt is Porthos and that is uh, the the, the platonic ideal of the big beefy man. Oh, he is so good. So funny. And the script has (laughs) lovely bits. Like we're in a, you know, we're running away from the Cardinal's men and we've got, we're cracking open the safe and, oh, look, we found lots of money ooh, and also lots of wine. So Porthos goes, champagne. And Athos is like, Porthos, we're in the middle of the oh chase. And he says, you're right, something red. Something red. <laughs> it's a great line. It's great. Great lines. Great lines. He's there. He's like, he's like, Rookford, isn't that a particular type of smelly cheese? Yeah. <laughs> That's the same. It's the same guy, Michael Wincott, who was Guy yeah. Gisborne in yes, Robin Hood. Yes, exactly. Yes, is the Count Count Rockford, or and, and was was several uh, and was in the crow, evil, evil bad guys across yeah. across the late eighties slash nineties. Was it because all I know him from was the Crow? Robin he was in the Crow. Hood, he was even he was a bunch of things. Years. Yeah, and then he seems to have faded from from that was like his peak. I'm going to be the bad sidekick guy in every film. But yeah, so he's amazing. He's amazing, and it's just such a fun film, and it rollicks along. And yes, people go from Calais to Paris back and forth in the space of about an hour, but who cares? And it's fun. And Milady de Winter jumps off a cliff, and Athos is all sad. And then they go back. And you know what's great? The Cardinal's men are in red capes and mm-hmm. the Musketeers are in blue capes. And then at the end they all get the signal, one for all, all for one, and they go to Paris and they're like, uh, Tim Curry is like, oh, you're going to you're going to, to fight my men, are you? Look at all my hundreds of Cardinal's guards. Mm-hmm. And there's three of them going, yes, we'll take them on. And then all the other men race up and they all take off their brown coats and they've all got musketeer tunics. They've all got musketeer tunics. Because it's one for all. Absolutely. And they're all there and they all and, fight. And, and it rules, fight. that. It rules. It rules. I just want like some simple blue guy's good, red guy's bad. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember, just, remember they just and, and then like it was a, it was like pilloried at the time as like disposable trash, and it's like it seems today like a modern masterpiece 
because it's just well made and fun. And can I say one more thing about that movie? Paul McGann is in that movie. Yes, yes. He's the he's the guy. He's like D'Artagnan. He's the one who wants to. This super effeminate, super like offended um, D'Artagnan slept with his sister or something, and he's like, I must have my on my sister's honor. I'm wearing lipstick. I'm I'm, I'm like, and and then you see Paul McGann in other things, and he's just like, I'm. He's the coolest guy. Yeah, he's the coolest guy. If I can just give another shout out to BritBox, because I have this new game that I play with BritBox. <laughs> I love BritBox so much. I just, I've literally just gone through and watched all of the Lewis's, the Inspector Morse series. At, the, at this stage, I, I need to I need to insist that we try and get some sort of <laughs> promotional deal from BritBox, because come yeah, on. I know, right? So I watched all of the Lewis's, and it's so sad that Lawrence Fox, you know, he's he used to be married to Billy Piper. But he's become a bit of a right-wing nut job in the UK. So right. He's an actor. He's from the Fox, the famous Fox family. But he's become a bit of a right-wing nut job and he's sort of a bit anti-woke. And it's so sad because I kind of got a crush on his character. Because <laughs> he's like, you know, he's because Lewis is still Lewis. So they're like, well, we need, you know, it's a British detective thing. You've got to have the lion and the unicorn. You know, you've got to have the lion, the sort of the, the, the grunt worker, the one who th- is brave and whatnot. And then you've got to have the unicorn who's the thinker, the, you know, the plotter, the ooh, esoteric intelligence. That's what Morse is. So Morse is not there. So you need to bring in a new uh, unicorn to go and, and Lawrence Fox is the unicorn. I'm not talking about a sexual thing. Like I know that's a, <laughs> I'm, not talking, I'm not talking he's coming in his Kevin Waitley's sexual plaything. Sure. I'm saying this that isn't he, a lifestyle thing. It's not a lifestyle, th- no judgment, but it's not a lifestyle thing. He's just sort of he's esoteric and weird and a bit stubborn and a bit, you know, quirky, but he knows a lot of things. But he also jokes more than Morse. Morse never really joked that much, whereas mm. he jokes and he throws out some good gags. And I'm like, oh, he's, he's so cute and funny, but he's a stuff. And then it's like, oh, he's become a bit of a right-wing nut job. That's sad. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, but my fun thing uh, with, uh, I'm pretty sure Paul McGann was in an episode of Lewis. Oh, I could be wrong. But he he pops up in shows. So I just love to play um, Paul McGann roulette where I like spin it and see if Paul McGann mm. shows up in an episode. And I just, there was a series called Annika, I think. it's a She's a mystery, she's a detective in Scotland for the water police. Like right. they have their own for water murders. <laughs> this is how good. <laughs> Real police could only dream to be funded to the extent that the TV police are um, in terms of uh, detective units. This, these one, their, their whole unit is just looking into murders that happen in and around water. You know that episode of The Simpsons where it's night boat and they're like, there's always yes. a mystery or it's like that. It's Look, like a canal. Yeah, look, someone's been found dead in a canal. Someone's been found dead in a boat out off the port. Someone's been found dead in the docks. So (laughs) anyway, so I was two episodes in and I was like, eh, this is okay. It's only six episodes, but maybe I'll give something else a go. And I thought, I'll just just watch episode three. Boom, Paul McGann. I'm invested. I'm staying on (laughs) the end of this baby. Paul McGann out of nowhere. Paul McGann. And then I was watching this other detective. If you like a quirky English detective show, McDonnell and Dodds is a really cute one that I just got super into and watched. There's there's three series, but they're only like two or three episodes each, so there's not a lot of episodes. But it's a bit, you know, their twist on the whole format is she's a young, ambitious London cop who's come to Bath because she can become a cheap, a, a, 
inspector there faster than in London. So she's trying to boost her career. So she just wants to come to Bath, you know, get a few good collars under her belt, go back to London. But she is uh, partnered with Dodds, who's literally Dodds is, you know, he's a bit doddering. He's he's a quirky, middle-aged. He's been in lots of stuff, this guy. I think his name is Jason Watkins. If you Google him, mm. you will know his face. You'll be like, I've seen him in things. Anyway, so he's like the quiet guy who's been on desk duty for years because nobody really likes him. But it turns out, actually, he's really good at detecting things and he's very observant and astute and whatnot. Anyway, it's very, very cute. And so I was watching that, bang, one episode, Paul McGann shows up. Yes. And the man is 62 years old. Damn it, he does not look it. No, not at all. I tweeted this recently. Everyone is on the Paul Rudd doesn't age thing. People have not realised that Paul McGann Slid under everyone. Well, listen, life. listen. He's he's not quite in the Paul Rudd category. He he he's yeah, aged. But he's got ten years on Paul Rudd. Like sure, Paul Rudd but, ten years. Well, like, like, I was about to say, at some point, Paul Rudd's face is going to snap like a rubber band, and, <laughs> and he's going to suddenly age ten years in a day, and we're all going to suffer like some psychic trauma about it. But having said that, like Paul McGann has aged, but he's aged like a fine wine. Like he he, he- looks incredible for his age i like he has just not changed physically and you know like even brad pitt now you look at brad pitt now and you're like oh he's looking a bit preserved yeah all of those years of smoking dude have really not done you well like yeah he's like a constant smoker i've heard so it's like his face is getting a bit leathery and you're like oh you're looking older than you are paul mcgann is like how are you 62 you look like 50 tops 45 even i'd say yeah like he is but then I'm biased. He's thinking woman's crumpet. What am I going to say? You got to take Paul McGann away from me? Anyway, so what I'm saying is get Britbox, throw on an episode of some series, and then at some point Paul McGann will show up and your life will be better. Exactly. It's just a, it's a tip from me to you. How did yeah. I get here? I don't know. <laughs> we desperately wanted to distance ourselves from the terrible yeah. movie we'd watched. I'm by, by, rem- by reminiscing about things that we actually like. Robin Hood 2018, last on my list. Yeah, I think and that's I'm a pretty, pretty safe sure choice. I'm pretty sure our lists are virtually identical. Yeah, I think I think I have the animated Robin Hood a bit higher. I think you have Robin and Marion ahead of it. Yes. So I have Prince of Thieves, Robin Hood 1938, Robin and Marion oh, okay. 76, yep. uh, Robin Hood 74 animated, Robin Hood Men in Tights 93, Robin Hood with Russell Crowe 2010, Robin Hood with Patrick Bergen 91, mm-hmm. The Story of Robin Hood 1952, and Robin Hood 2018. Yeah. The only difference there, uh, as we said, I, I put the animated Robin Hood at number three ahead of Robin Robin and Marion, purely based on nostalgia. Like, I love that movie. And I put the Errol Flynn one at the top. You know um, what? I can't, you know. I, I can't mean, look, like, I, I totally get, again, I get why you've put them in, in the order you have. I just think that that movie is a classic for a reason. It, it is yeah. archetypal and iconic in a way that very few movies actually are. Yeah. It's like, so, so much comes from that movie specifically. It Not really just for Robin does. Hood, but for cinema. Yeah, it really does. And I don't I don't begrudge you. That it just, you know, it's my personal bias is coming through again. And, you know, life would be different if we slightly disagree. God, imagine if, <laughs> imagine if somebody out there, in the, like the statistics would prove that somebody in the universe is going to have watched this film and gone, this is my favourite film. There are people who would rate this film highly, you know, and I, I wouldn't want to have a conversation with them but I'm sure, I'm sure they I'm sure they got some some momentary joy in their lives out of this absolute stuck pig of a movie stuck pig of a movie and yes. and fine great as I say you take your joy where you can find it 
if someone got joy out of this movie, by all means, go for it, man. Like, whatever. <laughs> like, it's not my scene, but go for it. Like, that's, that's fine. Well, we are at the end of our Robin on capsule for the moment, unless something else pops up that we, you know, want to talk about Robin Hood wise. We never did the TV shows. There's been a number of Robin Hood TV shows, which we haven't done, but their TV shows no. are harder to do. The, the time and effort in, invested in recapping Robin Hood TV shows just wasn't plausible for the, no. the, the subsection thing. And interest as well, because we have decided that our next franchise that we're delving into is the Fast and the Furious franchise. Absolutely it is. I'm um, so excited. <laughs> I've had a lot of people actually just mentioning to me that uh, they're really excited for Fast and the Furious. It's the modern, it's it's a, a modern classic, Natalie. Uh, I, I, really, I really can't wait to go on this journey with you. It's amazing. Because I think the first one came out 20 years ago, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, it's its 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 own legacy, <laughs> basically. So it's its a good time. And the 10th film is coming out at some point? Uh, yeah, so there's a, there's a new film coming out soon-ish. So we might we might time that well. We might we might have a bit of a break for it, but yeah. Um, um, but, but, but speaking of breaks, we also have to um, go back and uh, do a proper full Raven Bond episode about No Time to Die. We really do. We really which do we've given ourselves that. enough time now to, to have to have have some perspective on the movie and and yeah, I need to rewatch it. I've got the, to say. Ve- the very big game changing thing that happens in it. Oh, still dealing with that. Still raw. Still coming to terms with that. Uh, we will definitely do that. In which order, I'm not too sure. We might maybe try and get a Fast and the Furious under the belt and then go into Bond, or should we? I'm, do- I'm, look, look, I'm I'm very keen to to get on on the on the on the track and uh, get on the track. <laughs> start living our lives a quarter mile at a time. <laughs> Actually, somebody commented that it was like I can't wait for Natalie to start living her life a quarter yep. mile at a time. Incredible! <laughs> I can't wait for you to start getting these references. This is going to open up a whole new world for me. So tune in very soon for Revan on, mm-hmm. um, which I thought of, and I'm very proud of myself. It's extre- an extremely good title. Revving on. So um, you can call us at, at Girl Clumsy or at Disco Stew on Twitter. Please tell us what you thought of Robin Hood, the Taron Egerton version. Maybe just look up some clips on YouTube and get a vibe of the thing. <laughs> <laughs> they've even let any clips be on youtube they probably haven't let any clips be on there i also i had to pay for this movie it wasn't on streaming anywhere i had to pay five dollars to rent yes this. yeah the, to add insult to injury this isn't available anywhere so i had to pay cash money cash money for this like cash goddamn turkey money Ugh. so yeah wait till it comes on streaming i wouldn't recommend purchasing it don't give them the satisfaction in fact, I would I would dare to say that they probably are like, wow, two people rented Robin Hood in the last year. That's pretty amazing, guys. I wonder who those two people were. <laughs> Us. Facebook.com slash Natalie's Throne is my Facebook page. And, of course, my biggest thanks to my patrons, patreon.com slash girlclumsy. Again, I'm a lapsed Catholic, but I give you all the prayers <laughs> and all the worship and all of the, you know, like, ah, I'll kiss your ring is what I'm saying to you patrons for keeping me. Yes. Keeping save, me. Save that for higher tiers, Natalie. Yes. I'm opening up an OnlyFans. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny how many people I've said, oh yeah, I'm, I'm looking for some options for, you know. <laughs> people are like, why did you get your boobs out? And people have said like, oh, how's that OnlyFans thing? And I'm like. Oh man. I just don't know that I could, like, would people pay me for an OnlyFans? And what do you, because I've heard that it's not, it doesn't have to be boobs, but it does sound like a good sort of 90 to 95% of it is. (laughs) Um, 
so maybe I could do boobs. I don't, I don't know. Like are people interested? Oh, maybe I could just do boobs but no face. So I'd be like, hey, come and see my – well, that kind of defeats the purpose, isn't it, if I say it's my OnlyFans. So I'd have to set up an anonymous OnlyFans <laughs> account. And then, hope- and, then, and then you couldn't leverage your huge audience to That's come. That's right. Yeah. So, see, this is the thing. My patrons are sensible, discerning people. I don't think they care about my boobs. They want, you know, good content and critical mm. thinking and what. Sure, exactly. They're happy for me to talk about boobs and ogling and things like that. Yes. Um, oh, speaking of which, fun activity for anyone to play at home. Netflix, I think, just dropped a new Ladies Chatterley's Lover movie. Oh, fun, yes. With Emma Corrin, yes. Yeah, just go through that and fast forward. <laughs> I may have done a bit of that the other night. Oh, you need to <laughs> fast forward. Sure. You know the story. Rich, rich fancy lady gets it on with her gardener. No, sorry, gamekeeper. That's, that's all you need to know for the story. Just uh, fast forward. <laughs> they get nude and run around in the rain at one point. It's quite hilarious. <laughs> it's, you know, I guess romantic and all that sort of stuff, but also quite funny. You know, if you're bored and you're like, look, I've got 15 minutes, just Fast forward through Ladies Chatterley's Oh, man. So what I'm saying to you is that the patrons want good tips like that, right? They want the, the Natalie's been a pervert again. Because what happened was I saw Netflix, new Ladies Chatterley's Lover. Oh, I wonder if they're going to have sex scenes in this because, you know, that's what it's famous for. <laughs> sure, yes. And how do you – they've done a few versions of that over the years. How do you up the game? So I was like, I'm just going to fast forward a few. Th- and you're like, oh, that wasn't much. That wasn't – okay, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's, you know, they really know how to build up. They've done the, they've done good work sort of going, yeah. oh, okay, we'll start a bit, you know, a bit coy and then we'll just get full on nude dancing in the rain. Yeah, sure. That's what I'm telling you, Stu. My patrons want that kind of knowledge. They don't necessarily just want me going, and here's the left one. Um, <laughs> come back for tomorrow and we'll do the right one. But maybe a easily scammable general public, you know, people who aren't the discerning critical thinkers that subscribe to my Patreon mm. because my patrons are the smart people. Like, But maybe the the, the, the broader, easily dupable. If, if you can get scammed by, God, who are the people who've been ringing me? Someone was ringing me about my energy bills or something and wanted me to tell me about discounts. And I, and I ended up... I end up going, I don't know why you need to ask me all these questions when if you've called me, surely you must know this. And then he got really angry and ended up telling me to go to hell fast. <laughs> you go to hell fast. Yeah. So if people are going to be scammed by that, why not be scammed by me being an anonymous OnlyFans person? Sure. That's all I'm saying. Why not? I'm clearly going insane from this vertigo stew. So Absolutely. I'm- I was going to say, I, I, feel like, I feel like I need to step in now like with the duty of care and just sort of... <laughs> I'll just be like, okay, we need to stop. The podcast needs to finish now. <laughs> As always, Stu is correct. So, until next time, thank you so much for listening to Robin On, as, as it's been uh, delayed by House of the Dragon in the middle. We will return with another Raven Bond and, of course, Raven Bond, our new capsule series. And if you do have ideas for series that we can podcast about or movies we can do, please let us know. Uh, we are always up for stuff. We've certainly got nine, possibly ten possibly 11. I don't know how it works with the Fast and the Furious universe, but Stu will set me right. Um, (laughs) Thank you for listening. Thank you, patrons. Stu, thank you as always. And I guess all that's left to say is see you in Sherwood Forest. See you in Sherwood Forest. (laughs) 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 Ha 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 